Welcome to the Daily Detox Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, integrative health practitioner, licensed occupational therapist, and your health detective. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence-based, and effective solutions for achieving wellness. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Well, hello. Welcome to Daily Detox. I am your host, Stephanie Center. If you are a new listener, wow, did you pick the perfect episode to start with. If you're a regular, it's great to have you back. I have the biggest treat for you today. I cannot say enough wonderful things about Dr. Melanie Keller. She's not only the most intuitive gut expert that I've met, but she's also the kindest. Just listen to the energy and the sincerity of her voice and you will understand exactly what I am talking about. She is a true healer and I know you will gain a lot of personal insight and knowledge that you can apply to your own health story just simply by listening to her wisdom. Some quick housekeeping. My 10-day liver detox is live. Yay. Um, I've been working really hard on this and I've made a lot of updates and I'm just really proud of how this has all come together. You can visit my website, www.theholistichouse.org. And holistic is spelled H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. And you can sign up today. It's a one-time fee for lifetime access to my program. And like I just mentioned, I'm constantly updating and adding things as I learn and grow more as a human. So more about this program, we use real liver-loving foods and strategic supplementation to help cleanse your liver. And I wanted to make a point to say this because this is not a trendy juice cleanse, nor am I interested in trendy juice cleanse. You will be eating three meals a day for 10 days while you are cleaning your liver. I think that's really important. Nourishment is very important. And what what this does is this helps you to metabolize and absorb your food better. It'll help to clear your skin as, you know, if you think about it, acne is the result of what toxins exiting our skin. And when the liver is overwhelmed and overloaded and it cannot detoxify what you've got in your body, the toxins have to leave somewhere. And a lot of times it's through the skin. This program can help you to reduce brain fog. There are so many benefits to doing this program. I like to do it two to four times a year, depending on how I'm feeling. I target the liver specifically because the liver is the organ responsible for cleaning your blood and detoxifying your system. And I'll just leave you with this. We are exposed to more toxins in one month than our grandparents were in their lifetime. So if you're just getting acquainted with the functional medicine space, this program is a great tool to kind of dip your toes in the water and see what it's all about. If you are wanting some more individualized support, I do offer one-on-one support uh, through specific testing. Some of the tests that I use the most frequent are the GI map gut pathogen screen, the Great Plains organic acids test, the Dutch hormone panel, and the Oxford mediator release food sensitivity test, just to name a few. There are quite literally hundreds of tests out there and testing is very individualized and it helps us to better understand the root cause of dysfunction. So if you're interested in working with me on a one-on-one basis, you can also head over to my website and simply click on the one-on-one services. If you're just getting to know me and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? Just join my private Facebook community. It's called Daily Detox with Steph. I know, surprise. And I share a lot of helpful information on how you can reduce your exposure to toxins. And I also promote a lot of, I like to promote small businesses. So I look, I keep a special eye out for small businesses in this space that are doing really great things and they're being sustainable. They are not putting endocrine disruptors in their products. They have really clean, good, healthy products. And so I share anytime I find a company like that, I share on the Facebook group. And I also send an email out to my community. Um, Speaking of which, 
If you are on my email list, you probably got the email that I'm doing a uh, food sensitivity testing special for the month of July. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not on my email list, it's not advertised on my website. So you can shoot me an email at info.holistichouse at gmail.com if you are wanting to participate in that. The Oxford Mediator Release Test looks at over 170 different foods, chemicals, over-the-counter drugs. It's really, really comprehensive and it helps give us some insight into which foods are inflammatory to your system. So really good things to know about yourself. Okay, I think that about wraps up my notes. So let me share with you a little bit about Dr. Melanie. Dr. Melanie is a naturopathic doctor. She's known as the intuitive edge doctor, which does not surprise me at all. She is extremely intuitive and she helps people understand their lives and bodies better so that they can take part in their own rescue by receiving the precise care that they need. After having gut health problems herself for over half of her life, Dr. Melanie uses her expertise in gut health, medical, and epigenetic intuition to get results. And that's something I really love about Dr. Melanie is she has a personal connection to her work. It's visceral to her because she's experienced it herself. Many of the people she's worked with have often been seeking treatment for, unfortunately, years and at major hospitals around the world. Dr. Melanie has spoken about gut health on numerous podcast summits and as a keynote symposium speaker. She contributed to the development of the SIBO Center in Portland, Oregon, which holy cow, that is incredible, and has been published in the Townsend Letter, the Examiner of Alternative Medicine, Naturopathic Doctor News and Review, Eat This, Not That, and she'll be featured on the List TV. So please assist me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Melanie Keller. Well, hi, Dr. Melanie. Thanks so much for coming on to Daily Detox. I've I've had the pleasure of listening to you, I think, maybe in Clubhouse is where we, I don't even know where I, I got equated with you. It's definitely um, Clubhouse, yes. Definitely Clubhouse, but I quickly, I quickly came to admire and revere you. Um, you are just a wealth of knowledge and I'm really excited to talk to you about SIBO because it's a, it's a subject that I'm, you know, selfishly interested in. So I, I've already introduced you to the audience, but is, is there anything that you feel like you wanted to share about yourself before we dive into the topic? Well, I think it can be helpful to let people know that I've had SIBO. And, mm. um, and so that's one of the things where you say have had, and I'll, explain some of that because um, I'll say SIBO is with you. It's not, it doesn't have you. Mm. So SIBO is a part of you and you want to understand why it's there and what you can do to navigate your own situation. So I'm coming from a place of having done that myself. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, that gives you such a special connection to your work when you can, you can, you know, relate to being, being in that same health position yourself. I think that makes, um, physicians and practitioners, more compassionate people when they can say, oh, I've lived that. Um, so yes, we're often drawn to our own (laughs) areas of ailments, (laughs) right? Which is before we started recording, I was like, I'm selfishly asking you about this topic because I want, I want to know what, what I don't know about SIBO because it's, it's been even, even after, you know, diving through my own research, it's, it's still somewhat of a mystery and it's, it's, it's mysterious in nature. And I think that that's something that's also kind of drawn me to the topic. Uh, but for those who don't know, what what is SIBO? Well, SIBO is an overgrowth. So let's, let's just break down the acronym. Yeah. It is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. SIBO, SIBO, potato, potato. Um, <laughs> the point is, is that, and this is another thing I like to mention, is that it's not a syndrome. It's not a disease. It's not a condition. I I overly say this in a sense that it's just stating the obvious. Mm. It's small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And what does that mean? That means we have too many bacteria in the wrong compartment. So we're saying overgrowth, right? In the small intestine, i.e. it shouldn't be in here. It should be somewhere else. Mm. And predominantly bacteria, probiotics, whatever word microbes people need to reference should be in the large intestine and not in the small intestine. We don't have a lot of bugs in the small intestine. So this is really being specific about, there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. 
tell me more, like, is the small intestine from my, my understanding is pretty sterile compared to the colon? Sterile is, is strong word. Okay. We're having new information. And I'm just saying this out of full and complete respect for the researchers at the MAST program at Cedars-Sinai. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just detailing that out because they are actually sequencing the small intestine. And this is a very difficult thing to actually do because the small intestine, it's a, we need to be in a non, in an environment without oxygen. That's called anaerobic environment. Mm. So technically the gold standard of even getting a diagnosis for SIBO is through an aspirate when you have an endoscopy and they stick a tube down and they're looking at the stomach and they'll also go as far as they can into the small intestine. And typically they can only go a few inches um, and they're taking a look. This is where they're sampling, for example, for celiac disease. And at the same time, they, when they try, when they need to take a sample of this, it's very expensive. It's very elaborate because when we are dealing with the material, it cannot be exposed to oxygen. So that is why there is a breath test that is also available to diagnosis. But the gold standard is technically this aspirate. Overshare. I've had an endoscopy. I've had colonoscopies. And my frustration in that was, okay, the, the pain point is like in the middle of my small intestine. Like I can point to it. It has a flavor. It has a, you know, texture, color, whatever. Like I can point to this little ball that shouldn't be there. And it's frustrating because nobody can get to it. It's frustrating for everyone. <sighs> Just know that to everyone listening. <laughs> the times that I've been in conference, mm. I've been, I've been in at Cedar where I'm listening to them try and develop this and talk about it and yeah. They've got engineer. I mean, this, this, it's a, it is, it's a big deal and it, it's frustrating all around because it is, it's this world, it's this universe with all these, I call them like, it's the aliens within us, you know, there's more of them than there are of us. Right. Oh. If we even just think about the virus that's around, like, wow, yeah. it can just, what it can do to our system and how it can trigger things. So yes, it is. If we want to say Alaska was the last frontier, it's definitely the small intestine is technically mm. <laughs> other, other like than the brain. I mean, we have a lot of various, but yes. So even when people with all due professional courtesy and respect to people who are talking about treating CFO, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, wait, how are we test? How are we verifying that? You know, again, because I'm following the work of the mass program and following their, their sequencing of the small bowel because they're, they are leading that. And it's amazing work that I highly respect. Is there, and, and sorry if this is too in-depth of a question, but is there, what's the reasoning that it can't be exposed to oxygen? What does that do? The microbes themselves, they, they cannot be exposed to it. So they're anaerobic bacteria. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. Got it. Yeah. Meaning that if they're exposed to air, they Mm -hmm. won't survive. Gotcha. Oxygen more specifically. I feel really dumb for asking that. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I can imagine a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it's more, I feel like I'm like, oh, that was me. (laughs) No, you said, you said anaerobic and I just didn't think about, um, yeah, I can't even picture what that process would look like. How would you not expose something to oxygen when you remove it from a person? Right. So that's the part that, like I say, it's very like in, and so people, not many people have had that type Uh, of gold standard. I recently wrote an article about it and even showing that there was more to the SIBO story mm -hmm. than just addressing the SIBO. In fact, you know, so, and it was by way of looking at the stomach and looking at what was fluxing back into the stomach or what's not in the right compartment. Mm. Right. So I like to describe to patients and clients of like saying, look, this is, this, these aren't bad guys. These are just people who came to the, to the wedding and they, they're in the wrong ballroom. (laughs) Okay. They're throwing a party and they're like, aren't we supposed to be in here? And you're like, nope, nope. The doors are over there through the Mm. ileocecal valve. Go into the large intestine, please. That's where you're supposed to be Mm. a party because these aren't bad guys. Right. Even when I describe to people taking the antibiotic, I'll say specifically the gold standard treatment of using Zyfaxin, which is the brand name, or Rifaxin, yeah. is the <clears throat> generic. And I say, you know, this isn't a bad, or this isn't the, the antibiotic that everybody thinks of. 
meaning it's not broad spectrum taking everything out and, oh, I have to replenish my, my bacteria again. This probiotic, excuse me, this antibiotic, it, we really should call it eubiotic in that it is specifically targeting the good guys, our commensal flora, the people that mm. the, the bugs that are supposed to be there and help us with our health that are in the wrong compartment. So this antibiotic is going to say, take them away mm -hmm. in the area they're not supposed to be. And then once it reaches the large intestine, it actually turns into a probiotic and it repopulates lacto and bifido Didn't know that. on its own. So that's the beauty of Zyhexin and Rifaxin, also why it has quite the price tag mm. because it is very, you know, it's doing a very specific thing. And that's why they had to spend so much time and effort on a phase one, two, and three trials. Those mm -hmm. are very costly. I believe the phase three trial was $25 million to show that this antibiotic is that safe, that it can be used multiple times, that it's not, quote, mm -hmm. right, wrecking your microbiome. And it, as of 2018, the American College of Gastroenterology noted, no, actually, we should not be recommending a probiotic with an, even a broad spectrum antibiotic. So let alone with a eubiotic you know, antibiotic such as Zyfaxin, I'm not recommending probiotics. Yeah. Ever. Very, very rarely. Definitely not orally. Oh, I need to. Okay. So hold on. You so many things here that I want to uncover. Okay. I've done Zyfaxin before. I did a two week, I think it was for two weeks. Um, and I did not know that about Cyfax that when I took it, I did not know that it had that sort of opposite effect in the colon. That is so fascinating. Yeah. And it's all based on pH, which I'm obsessed <sighs> with pH. And so I find that fascinating. It's, you know, yeah. it's it, it, that I, that's the biggest thing that I like to get across to people because mm -hmm. they, they think antibiotic or even with, and it's taking a step further, even with taking a broad spectrum antibiotic, because that is also an option in SIBO treatment, technically in the guidelines, the ACG guidelines. And, um, but I say, don't assume that you have to take probiotics. Again, this is just my professional opinion mm -hmm. and what I've seen in my practice. So if I were to take a step back, how do these microbes end up in the wrong ballroom? How do they end up in the small intestine where they don't belong? Like what okay. are their, their travel ways? So this is where people, I think, associate SIBO as like I opened up, up with, this is not a syndrome, disease, mm -hmm. or condition. It's the fact that there are many of those that I just said that are mm -hmm. associated with SIBO. So we need to look at your risk factors. So there's a number of things that are associated with SIBO. So let's say it can be anything from moderate alcohol consumption to having endometriosis, mm. big wide spectrum yeah. from having Parkinson's to having obesity. Like there is a wide range there. Oh, does that make sense? And so mm. we want to get underneath the, okay, but why do I have my SIBO? That's very important for me to have people understand because my story is different than your story, right? And mm -hmm. then that's why I, I can tell the person the story back to them. I can say, these are your risk factors, not to necessarily rate them because I don't even necessarily like to hear, oh, I have mild SIBO or I have severe SIBO. It's like, no, that's just what's there in my mm -hmm. opinion, you know? And yeah. I just say, okay, here's why you have that or have that much because this is your story. Now, where, where are some main things that can be in somebody's risk factor history? Well, the number one that is now validated, absolutely to, you know, like it is a number one question that everyone should be asked is, have you had a food poisoning? Mm. Do you have a memorable food poisoning or quote traveler's diarrhea story? And not everyone remembers. So let me tell this little story in the sense of you can have a hundred people who go to that wedding Everybody eats the salmonella chicken, everybody. Around 10% of these people will develop an antibody or an autoimmune response. And that will put a skip in the record of their motility hmm. or the migrating motor complex. 
And depending on that, how deep that skip in the record is, that's the level of the antibody. So if your antibody levels are higher, 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 you have a deeper groove in that record. So I tell people, you might have to go get up and pick up the needle. I know this is a little, <laughs> albums are coming, making a comeback, right? You have to go pick up the needle and move it versus you just have to skip, 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 skip. What am I doing? I'm running in this hamster wheel. Ah, is it the broccoli? I can't. No, figure out what is your skip in the record. And this blood test can tell you that. And because not everybody remembers, or I hear the, oh, but my so-and-so didn't have the whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I don't care. Have you eaten romaine lettuce in the last four years? Period. Quite frankly, any leafy greens, because they are continuously contaminated. And people will assume that food poisoning is only coming from animal proteins. Mm -hmm. Another thing you should not assume, because I post on social media and my Facebook of food safety news. Oh, look, it's greens again. Oh, look, it's, you know, you'd be surprised when you're, it was flour. I mean, it runs the gamut. It's not always ground beef or, oh, I don't have to think about that. If you've done celery juice, you've probably been exposed, (laughs) you know, just put things in perspective. The bugs are among us. Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't ever considered that concept. And I actually just uh, recently interviewed Anne Louise Gittleman. And she said, you know, Stephanie, I'm probably the only nutritionist on planet earth that refuses to eat a salad when she goes out to eat because they're contaminated. And I thought, oh my good, like, you know, it's so backwards, right? You think, oh, I'm, if I'm going out to eat, I'm going to choose the healthy option. I'm going to choose a salad that's safe. Um, but you're the second person to tell me, no, no, ma'am, it's not. <laughs> oh, I, you, you yeah. should have seen one day I was going to a gut conference and that mm. morning at like four in the morning or five in the morning, I get the alert that Romaine had, I mean, and it was like massive. It wasn't even mm. on the news yet or whatever. I go to the conference. There's this huge vat of Romaine lettuce for the low carb paleo lunch. Oh. And I was like, no, <laughs> like covering the bowl, like, don't do it. And everyone's like, what is wrong with you? Like sitting at the table. And I was like, you guys, you have to understand about food poisoning, people getting up from the table. And I was like, okay. Or they'll always want to come over to me and talk like, oh, can I just pick your brain about, and I'm like, number one, are they taking a probiotic? Number one, <laughs> I'm taking a probiotic. Why are you putting more traffic in the traffic jam? Oh, yeah. And, and I want my opinion again. I want to ask you some say, more about oh, that. Probiotic saved me. I also hear that. Mm. I'm just talking about the majority and what the evidence and, and you know. So. Oh, I will raise my hand and tell you I 100% felt better when I stopped taking my probiotic. I just decided, you know. Sometimes like when you just listen, like if you just take the time to listen to your body and like really get in tune with what it needs, like I was told to take, um, what's the popular one? Megaspore probiotic. Yeah. Nothing against Megaspore. Um, nothing against them. Um, but when I stopped, when I just made that decision, like I'm going to take a break from this. I've, I've been doing this for a while and I don't feel any better. I actually felt better. So it's really interesting. So many things. It's all about epigenetics. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, because I follow what's called the lipopolysaccharides. Yes. And um, so I've been trained by Dr. Ben Lynch. I attended every single one of his conferences. I was at a roundtable mastermind. And yeah, I spent at least six weeks just following the lipopolysaccharides excuse me, six months, you know, just going, I see things like a constellation Mm. in my head, you know, as far as what are their genes, that's their propensity. It's not a given and a set thing, right? It's a dynamic system. But when you follow the lipopolysaccharides, because often people with SIBO have excess, they're even, there's a test to measure lipopolysaccharides, right? In reference to intestinal permeability or Mm. leaky gut. And that's what they're looking at in terms of, are these lipopolysaccharides, are we having an immune response to them? Because 50% of SIBO patients do have intestinal permeability yet. So that's what everyone will jump on. 
However, when they eradicate the SIBO, 25% heal that leaky gut spontaneously within 30 days. So it's not this mandatory, I then need to be on a leaky gut protocol, in my opinion. I just say, oh no, let's see if your body can heal. I also liked what you said about listening to your intuition and listening to your body's intuition, which is what I like to teach people. Mm. And I've come out of the woo-woo closet in a sense to say, look, I'm an epigenetic intuitive. I see these things. I see what the lipopolysaccharides can do. I can actually see and listen to it in your story and kind of be able to pick up the evidence-based reasons why you are where you are stuck where you are, right? Whether it's a biofield therapy, mental health, right? And mindset stuck, because what are you thinking when you're fixing that broccoli? What are you thinking about when you're making, preparing this food? If you're like, oh no, am I going to be bloated? And you know, if you're having these negative thoughts or you're restricting yourself so much and I can never touch another onion or this, that, or whatever, again, these aren't healthy ways to treat this either. So um, that's just, sorry to go off on all those things, but it's like, that's epigenetics in my mind. Cause I'm like, look, if I can't get through to this person who's obsessively going on Google and and Facebook groups and in between their appointments with me, they're asking all these other people where it doesn't even pertain to them. They don't have the same story. Yeah. Yet they're going, oh, I should do this. I should do that. I should eat this. I shouldn't eat that. And then they just get into, we have a term that's orthorexia, which is this over obsession of eating a certain way, but there can almost be this new over obsession with treating or self-treating because mm. people are listening to themselves, right? And they're saying, can anybody else hear me or figure this out? So they're grasping for other new programs and little bits and pieces. And that's what I'll tell people is say, I want you to gather all of those things up in a stack of papers in your mind of everything that you've been researching, gathering, et cetera, yeah. and then throw it all up into the air and then pick up the things that you liked. <laughs> you know, I was a raw foodist for over a year. I pick up some things from there, right? Mm. I did keto, I did gaps, I did, blah, 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 you know, all of these little things that then go, this is what's right for me. Because my thing is, I don't want to be treating SIBO in this like box that's mm. like, you have to eat this way and you have to do this and you have to do that. And then all of a sudden, what, you're going to win a prize or get this like, you know, a plus with gold stars that you're going to put on your refrigerator, this negative breath test. And I'm here to tell you that that is going to slide on down the face of that refrigerator. If you don't <laughs> figure out why, <laughs> and you're going to be back into this whole hamster wheel again. So back to, we need to know your story, your risk factors. So that can be, you know, a range from people. Say, for example, somebody had a C-section. So that's even another layer, mm. right? We talked about endometriosis, but let's say somebody's had an incision into the abdomen, into, you know, then the body naturally will cause or can create adhesions. That's part of the healing process. We want that. But in some people, those adhesions can actually be part of the problem too. Mm. So that might be something that needs to be, um, assessed. Um, I often see, and you have a background in mold toxins or just environmental toxins in general that are then causing what I call a hormone microbe shuffle. So you're trying to treat one or the other, and it's just a big storm in the middle, quite frankly. So many times we have to address other things that are in conjunction again with why do we have this thing in the middle called SIBO. So is it fair to say that you, you don't generally see SIBO standalone? It's always accompanied with a, a risk factor or, or something else. It's never just oh, in absolutely. and of itself. That's an excellent question. And I, I would, yes. And I believe okay. many experts would agree, especially now that we know the food poisoning connection. Yeah, we, it's very, very clear with IBS. And then it's approximately 80% of IBS patients have SIBO. And then now we also have to clearly define, we have SIBO B bacteria, which is going to be measuring hydrogen and now hydrogen sulfide. And then we have IMO, which is spe specifying a, a different microbe and they're called methane or methanogens 
methanogen productors. Um, so that's intestinal methanogen overgrowth, meaning that can be throughout the length of the intestine, including both compartments, small intestine and large intestine. And the reason why we can see that, how we can see this is on a breath test. And that's by measuring the breath test is three hours. And that's looking at from the duration of time and majority of research will say that that time is between 90 and 120 minutes. It depends on the publication. Most agree on the 90 minute mark as saying, yes, that is definitively the small intestine. Anything mm -hmm. after that, we're able to get a nice assessment perhaps of the ileocecal valve area and or dependent on how long somebody's intestine is, we may just want to see an additional time frame. The other benefit of having a three-hour test is that we're also then able to see the large intestine. And that's where I just wanted to separate out if somebody has had a breath test. Yes, we're looking at, they'll say, I have SIBO or I have methane SIBO. And I'm just here to now kind of shift the terms to say, actually, you have SIBO and you have intestinal methane overgrowth oh. from one test. Or you only have SIBO taking a quick break from the show so that we can have some real talk about reducing your exposure to toxins all while supporting a small local female founded business. You know, I have been on the hunt for non-toxic candles for years, like literally years without finding anything that meets my standards. I really enjoy both the aroma and the ambiance that candles have on the, the mood, the vibe, the atmosphere, I mean, candles can make a huge difference in just how cozy your home feels. And okay, I know this is going to sound like first world problems, but I felt really deprived when I had to give up candles after my run-in with mold toxicity because literally nothing on the market is safe. And that's when I came across Sea Love candles. Not only are these the best smelling candles and also, if I might add, cutest looking candles on planet Earth but they are 100% non-toxic and they're eco-friendly. The founder, Stacy, started this company because her husband had asthma and he couldn't tolerate the synthetic fragranced candles. So what did she do? She started making her own. This company is a small batch shop off the coast of Maine, and I highly recommend considering giving them your business over the big box chain companies that provide little in terms of quality and sustainability. Visit sealovecandles.com. That's S-E-A, like, you know, the water, C, love, L-O-V-E, candles.com. And use the code HOLISTICHOUSE10 for 10% off your purchase as a thank you for both listening to this podcast and supporting a wonderful small business. Again, that's S-E-A-L-O-V-E, candles.com. And the code is Holistic House 10. I love the warmth and the glow of these candles at night. I, I actually, I even light a candle at my desk on a rainy day. It just, it makes me so happy. And I hope it'll make you happy too. Okay, let's get back to the show. So you can, are, are you saying you can have SIBO without being, and I'm sorry if my, my terms are inaccurate here, without being like hydrogen or methane dominant, you can be SIBO without a classification? Is that, am I looking I'll at that the I'll clarify this way? again. So okay. we have the breath test, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say technically the, the latest way to diagnose as of mm -hmm. October, 2020 is the TRIO SMART breath test, which is technically measuring four gases, hydrogen, hydrogen, excuse me, methane, hydrogen sulfide, and carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is your, it's all technical as far as the gases are concerned, right? Okay. But people, if they're not getting the TRIO SMART breath test, then they're getting a SIBO test and putting that in air quotes saying, okay, that's hydrogen, methane, and mm. hydrogen, methane. And yes, technically they're measuring carbon dioxide there too. Okay. okay. So what I'm saying is the terms that people will use now is I have methane dominant SIBO. Well, methane technically isn't a bacteria. Gotcha. Okay. That's the, okay. Yeah. Methane yeah. is an archaea. And so now that yeah. we're able to say, okay, 
you actually have intestine methanogen overgrowth mm -hmm. over here because it's methane, even though it's from the same breath test. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So instead of yeah. saying I have methane SIBO, nope, you don't have the B. You just have IMO. Gotcha. And if you have SIBO, you have hydrogen and or you hopefully have gotten this trio smart breath test and you now know if you have hydrogen sulfide. You don't assume you test with the latest mm. gold standard. And is it safe to assume the way you treat them are differently depending on what the results are? Or I don't treat the gases. I treat the person and the mm. risk factors and their story that has sure, sure. the obvious overgrowth. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. This is, I, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. So you're testing for bacteria. Well, you're, te you're testing for gas. And then you're also looking at the bacterial overgrowth as two, two separate entities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because then you, when you get that blood test that I mentioned to say yes. whether you remember the food poisoning or not, mm -hmm. because here's the other caveat. And this is part of my story. You get the food poisoning one time. Now you're four times more likely, you're more susceptible rather to another food poisoning for another five to 10 years. So then you get another food poisoning and then you get another food poisoning. And then maybe, and you're, the, you're always the one, right? Who hmm. perhaps that's some people's story. And they just go, oh my gosh, that's me or they don't remember, but yep, they eat romaine lettuce every day. That was me, you know, or, hmm. and then, but until you get this blood test and then you say, oh my goodness, my antibodies, right? If we talk about other autoimmune conditions, Hashimoto, you know, anything where the antibody is sky high, of course, in functional, natural, integrative medicine, we want to figure out and try and reduce those antibodies and the respond. Why is the body having that response? So if I'm able to say, oh, okay, here's how high these antibodies are. And there's even a point where if they're extremely high, then that person may need more, a specialist. Now it's very, it's very rare. I'm referring to scleroderma, mm. which is a, is a, and that really slows a lot of things down. That's a scarring in all of the mm. areas of the body. So if that may, you know, so they even have a separate test for scleroderma, that's actually saying they're looking for the same antibody. Okay. I'm just saying that if it's that hot, you know, so there's a few cases and I've worked with, um, even had a couple of cases that I work with mutually with Dr. Pimentel, where the level was very high. And of course I'm seeing it from one angle, because in my opinion, there was some environmental toxin involvement, glyphosate exposure, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And yet I also, we all need each other. We need conventional medicine. They went to a very, very, very interesting case study on this patient. Um, and yet my whole point is, is that that was in finding out this autoimmune response. That's all mm -hmm. part of this discovery. And that point that I'm making goes back to, if you need that visual of the skip the record, you know, some people have to go get up off them, you know, and go move the needle. Yeah. And so what does that mean? That means there might be more quote unquote rules or the, I like to prefer to the, say guidelines, but yes, that person with a deeper groove in their record might have to do more of the spacing, the meals, avoiding FODMAPs, um, being on a multiple mo motility agent. Um, and, you know, does that make sense? Like there's yes. more support that they might need when they go, oh, okay, gosh, I've had a C-section. Then this happened. Then that happened. I, I have mold in my home or I had mold in my, it's like a layering effect. That's like, okay, that's why I call it that like question mark floating in the center of your body. That's why I have this. And until you address those layers, it'll still remain the mystery. And this is the other thing that I notice is that then people continue to go to what I call the carnival and go to the whack-a-mole station and be like, oh, okay, well, I got my SIBO, right? My gold stars. Now it's got to be, oh, it's got to be mold. Oh, it's not mold. Oh, it's parasites. Oh, it's not parasites. Oh, it's, it must be EBV. Oh, it's not that. It's this. So it's that, the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's the common denominator, people? Let's get under the whack-a-mole machine and go, why are you guys here? 
That's so brilliant. I mean, I was that person playing whack-a-mole, 100% going, <laughs> not you. Lime. Oh my God, because all these craziness yeah. is got to be lime. I'm like, and it, oh. it dry, like, well, I'll just speak for myself. It drove me freaking insane. And I'm at, and people spend insane amount of money. And then they, and the, and the relationships they had, because the whoever's going, what's going on? And it's like, and yeah. all they're doing is seeking. They know, they know inside them. There's, there's some, I was that person too. Yeah. I'm a quarter of a million dollars in, you know, in figuring this out of education and continuing education and malpractice insurance. You know, it's like, I understand, but people also have to respect that you cannot just listen to the person at the store and then this, and then your friend, and then your yoga teacher, no offense to any and all people who are trying to help, Yeah. but you really got to find that expert. And that's why I worked on my program to say, look, I am this epigenetic intuitive that says that SIBO. Yes, I understand. Let's look at how to get rid of SIBO. I'm able to do that within two to six weeks and then teach them how to keep it away and at bay. So say, for example, with females, they need to recognize how their cycle and how to cycle too. But, you know, you don't, you don't ask me a question as a female without saying it's day three of my cycle and dot, dot, dot. Because mm. I'm not going to respond if you're like, Dr. Melanie, my bloating, what day is it of your cycle? Yeah. Even if you're not cycling, because <laughs> <laughs> I want you to see the pattern. What did you eat? You know, what's your mindset? What's going on right now? Don't blame the broccoli. (laughs) I love broccoli. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That's why I say that. Do you think, what are are your thoughts on, like, I, I always go back to that Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Do you feel like there is a mindset component to SIBO? Yes. A hundred percent. I see it every day. And I have, sometimes I have to wait for people to be in the right place. Mm. Or interestingly enough, this actually just recently happened. The person was getting results so quickly, so quickly. Then they started to question, are you sure? Wait a minute. What? You know, within four days here, give me, I'll give you an example. They were unable to take even a half of a rifaximin Zyfaxin tablet without having horrible, horrible side effects, no sleeping. I mean, palpitations, uh, paresthesias down the arm, numbness and tingling, you know, just all kinds of like very scary, frightening um, symptoms, right? Always better with this and that. I'm like, look, I listened to all these things. Like I say, it's a constellation in my head and considering where are the stars, moon and the sun and the sky right now for you, right? And within four days, this person was able to take three tablets of rifaximin a day. Wow. And yet they're a little bit of that hang up. Wait a minute. What's this all about? Because I've been taking all this stuff. Are you, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? You need to be sure. I'm not going to convince you. And if you cannot see within these texts that you're sending me every morning and every night, and you are progressively getting improvement and had actually just said in your last text that your seven, your head, your brain fog is 75% lifted. Mm. Yet you want to ask me if we're doing the right thing. So people have to be ready to get well. They have to be ready to let go of the SIBO obsession. Yeah. For some people, I call it SIBO madness sometimes. I just, I I don't know. Like that's, it's so simple mindset, but it's something that, you know, I didn't really consider. And I, I recently participated in, um, autonomic response testing just to, just to try it out because I'm, I'm a very open-minded person. I'll try anything. Um, And the physician performing it said, oh, you're thymus. Like I'm picking up some, like, you know, your, your emotional heart. And I'm like, oh crap, what do I need to work on now? And she's like, I think, I think you need to accept that it's okay to get better. And just like, I was like, well, like, give me, give me anything and I can do it. Right. I can, I can give up sugar. I can get like, 
giving up certain foods is hard, sure, but feeling bad is way harder. So I can sign up for the hard work. I'm I'm totally 100% committed to doing whatever it is that you recommend that you think I need to do to feel better. But then I missed like the most simple, like glaring piece. And I just had that. I just felt so stupid. <laughs> like what? Like what? How did you I felt miss enlightened? That? May I say you felt enlightened? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right? Yes. Like the light bulb yeah. went off, right? The light That's, bulb went off. Yeah. yeah. And you just go, wow, it can be different. It, yeah. Like, honestly, I tell, I'll tell people instead of the, they'll be like, okay, so what's the diet? Like, what's the diet? I'm like, first mm. of all, we don't say the D word here. <laughs> and second of all, what do you want to eat? And they'll mm. look at me like, wait, what, what, what? And I'll say, and especially if they've been in this like really restrictive and no sugar, which I don't understand that, to be honest with you, I grew up in a household with dentists. So yes, I'm mindful <laughs> of sugar, but like, geez, like, come on, we, we are on earth to enjoy it a little. Okay. So that's my, again, my opinion. So I'll have people set up like their ideal food list. I would like a bite of such and such. I want my husband's whatever, whatever. I'm going to make those grandma's cookie recipe. I'm going to have a sip for a, you know, a cocktail. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm the biggest cheerleader. In fact, I had one person who showed up and they had come from Chipotle and I was like, okay, what did you order there? And they tell me, and I say, okay, within the next three days or the next time you order it, I want you to eat what I want you to order, whatever you want. There's no FODMAP rules. You know, maybe I'm a little cautious with the gluten. Yes. Even gluten at first, depending on the person, but, and it's just fascinating to me because if you are restricting things, people will also have this grief. Yeah. Attached yeah. to it. Right. So people even have, some people are begrudgingly gluten-free hmm. or dairy-free. It's a job for them. Yeah. If that's the case, is that really benefiting you? Hmm. I mean, if you can clearly def- definitively, and I do, I have some people who are just like, okay, yeah, you're, uh, it's not even I'm right. It's their body's right. I tried it. Nope. I do have an opioid reaction or I do have a, you know, whatever they're, they you know, but it's very clear to them. It's not that I told them to go dairy-free. It's their body told them to go dairy-free. That's what's best for them. And so, yeah, that's just, that's the, that's the reference that I like to work from because if you, otherwise, if you're too restrictive and, and people will walk away and I'll be like, I know I'm the doctor who just told you to go have a cocktail and please stick to tequila, please. <laughs> and they'll be like, <laughs> huh? Like, and I'm like, okay, of course, within moderation slash, these are people who maybe haven't had a cocktail in years. And all they want to do is feel socially something or other at this event and, or their, you know, their child's wedding or something. And I'm like, have a bite of cake, if not a whole, like whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Because they have to see that again, back to my, I don't want to give you a protocol that then what you're going to cross some finish line And then now you're able to go and then, or you're like, oh, I'm going to be, I don't like this cheating. I like to say you're liberating or you're free. Mm. You're having food freedom and you chose to eat that. There was something to that. I'll never forget the time that I walked almost like a zombie to the grocery store to buy 52 cents worth of gummy bears. I don't know why. And I was like, and even a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, the coloring of this, the corn syrup, <laughs> yet I ate those things with so much joy. And like, yeah. I just said, Hey, microbes, there's a reason. Thank you for looking out for me. And I am enjoying this fully. And guess what? I had the best function, the best night's mm. sleep, like, and, and, and I didn't go into a spiral of craving or anything like that. I didn't feed candida. Mm. I enjoyed some gummy bears because I like chewy fruity stuff (laughs) you are so freaking cool (laughs) where were you in my life five years ago (laughs) you know Dr. Melody it's I love that you bring this up because there was a dark time in my life where I had gone I think a year and a half without eating food that I hadn't like that I didn't make myself And that is a disgusting and horrible place to be. And I finally had to make the goal with my doctor. I'm going to eat out. 
I'm going to go. And I think it was Chipotle that I was, I was like, they, they make gluten-free. I, like I can, I can eat Chipotle safely. I think it's cooked. Yeah. Just no and romaine. I, yeah. <laughs> Just I only knew that. that. I know. I'm sorry. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that back then, but yes, now I will, I will follow that. But you know, what's the sad part of that story is that I think there were like, I saw her every eight weeks. And by the next time I saw her, I hadn't met my goal of eating out because I was too afraid. And I just remember thinking like, what kind of a life, like I'm working really hard to get my health back for what, like what kind of quality of life is this? If, if health is about having that optimal quality of life, like what, like I just, I struggled to reconcile those two thoughts, those two opposing thoughts. And, um, I really love how you, I love, and I love that you use the word liberating. Like it's liberating. Like you should be able to enjoy life. And that's, you know, my focus is on toxins and I, and kind of what I preach is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Like, you know, I'm doing renovations to our, we just bought a, a, a house. And so we're doing some things to make it less toxic, but I'm not ruining my life because of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm being realistic. And, um, you know, like I, I just bought a desk because I need a, I need a desk to sit at. And I wasn't able to find one that didn't have all of the check marks that I wanted. And I just finally said, you know what? I've spent three hours searching. That's my limit. I have more. I need to do other things with my life. My, my bed is non-toxic. That's the most important thing to me because I spend a third of my life sleeping. I'm okay if, you know, there's some, a couple of VOCs in my, in my desk because I don't spend that much time at it anyways. Like I had to... But then you have that guilt of like, well, you're the toxins person. Like you really should get your act together. And then I think, well, no, I want to preach this. Per don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And done is better than good. Or done is better than perfect. So um, I love that you you have that. Like to me, there's so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom to enjoy life. Agreed. And when you are, I'm <sighs> the same way about toxins. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I put the plants around. Yeah because I don't have the best, you know, like exactly like you're saying, or you put a little, the little air filter near your um, office area. And that's also what you're showing people because you also don't want to break the bank seeking, finding that perfect desk, you yeah. know, and, or yeah. So we, we do live on planet earth in this time frame, yeah. <laughs> right. Where we do the best <laughs> that we can. And um, as, as I'm sure, you know, and tell people, uh, I say the bonuses, we can get the stuff out with sweating. You know, and the research on sweat is incredible. So I'll say, yeah, we can do the best that we can. But if you have to sit in a car, period, that's just a hot box of toxins. Mm. And, you know, especially I'm here in LA. And so if somebody's sitting in, in traffic, I'm like, okay, that in and of itself needs to be detoxed frequently. Because you're just absorb, you know, it's just re recycling in your little space, all of everybody's. Yeah. Um, so even myself, I don't own a car. I found it very interesting looking at my environmental toxin levels. And I was like, wow, you know, you, I live this such and such of a clean life, but I live in Los Angeles in the city, right? I walk a lot. I'm, you know, and I'm like, oh, right. And yet I was able to do my sauna protocol and retest and it's non-detectable levels. So wow. there just needs to be that frequency also. And that's why my program is longer too. They say, look, it might be this three months for you to uh, learn and have the training wheels kind of come off, but then it's an additional three months to figure out your environment, figure out your travel, your life, your own life cycles, and even exciting events. But <clears throat> say, for example, for myself, um, when we were talking about grief, I had I met the love of my life and then he died suddenly. And I was literally in the middle of like within two days, I was supposed to be recording a major summit and, you know, thought I could pull it off and I, I could not. Thankfully, the hostess completely understood. But it was through that process of like just absolutely like debilitating grief struck to the floor don't even remember eating for days type of a thing yeah. where I then learned about how grief affects our physiology. And there is really, really strong, even studies about the stomach in particular, 
um, from even saying grace and having gratitude to whether or not, like if you're eating and watching, say the news or Mm -hmm. multitasking, right. That's putting you in like a sympathetic. You're like, I should be doing this, that, and whatever. Well, through this grief process, I learned a lot about the stomach because I was like, okay, what is going on here? Everything just, you know, like you're saying, I'm the SIBO expert. Now all of a sudden I have this raging flare of SIBO. Well, yeah, understandably, understandably. And then you try and hide it and try and whatever and be like, oh no, I'm, I, you know, or I would just tell people, yeah, I have SIBO. And they'd be like, well, why do you still have SIBO? And I'm like, because I'm human. (laughs) And I have these risk factors, which are none of your damn business. (laughs) And I just had a major health event or, you know, life event. And so, yes, that's significant. I'm saying it because we just went through a pandemic where many, many people are losing a lot of people. But also as the simplicity of what you're saying about the grief you had about food, the grief about missing that, that goal, right? The grief that we have about whatever, explaining it to people or, oh my gosh, I'm still have my same story. And so I just am here to also say that like grief is real and it's not like in terms of it affects your physiology you can have like right we can we can have a tangible um acceptance of what happiness is or maybe what joy like there's almost this level of frequency right Mm. but grief is very unique in that one person will handle it one way and somebody can handle it totally different and there's really no way and and or the stages etc so that's just something i'm also like wanted to share, felt called to share that in a sense that, you know, consider other things that are going on. If you're running in the hamster wheel of, of identifying this in the first place and, or working with somebody, maybe somebody that you really do enjoy working with and with all due professional courtesy and respect, they are maybe doing, they're doing their best, Mm -hmm. but if it's not working for you and, or I, even as the expert myself, if I've been working with somebody for longer than six months, I'm going to be referring them at that point, like to somebody else to be like, is there endometriosis? Is there scarring? Is there whatever else going on? They're not just going to stay on a SIBO treatment indefinitely. I mean, some people are on these treatments for years or on a FODMAP diet for way longer than they're supposed to be. That is the prescribed diet again, by a registered dietitian, that's who should be managing FODMAPs. Thank you for sharing that. That's, there's just so much to unpack in everything you say. This is, I got way more than I bargained for today. (laughs) I cannot, yeah, I just, um, so much admiration and respect for you. Um, and I love the way that you approach the human body. I wish, I wish everybody approached it that way because, um, I think we would all feel better and have a lot more fun. (laughs) So what, what I'm really curious, what is your, so you have a, a program that is six months long or it's three months. I'm a little confused. Yeah. So it's, it's three months. And and typically if somebody's coming to me, right. With a SIBO, maybe that's how they found me. Then I'm, I'm explaining to them. Typically in my practice, I've seen what I call chapter one or you know, chapter of the mm-hmm. stomach is in treating SIBO is around six, two to six weeks. I'm seeing profound results mm-hmm. in that amount of time Incredible. and negative breath tests, et cetera, to then say, okay, let's make sure within this three month time frame, Cause like I say, a lot of people are, wait a minute, what? I've been doing this for how long? Yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's kind like, of, when done? you said that, I was like, wait, two to six <laughs> weeks hold the phone. <laughs> right. Like the first thing was four days and they're like, um, do I even gotcha. need to do this breath test kit that just arrived? I was like, if you want to, or you can hang on to it because like, I, like I'm about to say, then life happens. Yeah. And I go, okay. In that three months, right. We're looking at for women, maybe a cycle, maybe for men, like what stresses are coming, what's going on in your life. What restaurants are we branching out to? What other things are you ordering, eating, trying? How's the fiber intake? Because I really like food as medicine, food as prebiotics Mm -hmm. and probiotics. Um, With some people, yes, they can venture maybe out into fermented food. Others, I had one gentleman who was like, 
oh my gosh, this charcuterie board, I had one olive and I was like, boom, I couldn't believe it because when they first came to me, they're like, no, here's the evidence. I am on this probiotic and here's why, and you're wrong. And I was like, okay, you're right. Like you said, the the quote, right. Whether you do, you know, I'm just like, okay, I can't fight that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate with you. Yeah. Yet eventually they stopped the probiotic immediately felt better Mm. because they had to get to know me. I understand that. Mm. And then, you know, fast forward to, it was so easy. It was this, that, and And all of a sudden (laughs) they're like, you gotta be kidding me within one thing. It was so clear to me. So that's what I really like to then be able to be that like athlete coach of going like, that's great. You understand your body. Right. And then, Mm. and, or if we are having a little longer, right. So maybe somebody has that skip in the record of multiple risk factors that might stretch us into this like three month area, because we might have to look at additional things. And most often, if I'm looking at additional things, it is something risk factor related um, and, or environmental toxins and mold. Very highly, I want to rule out mold. I grew up in Southeast Alaska in a rainforest and mold was definitely part of my story. So, um, and I'm in California and just, well, in general, mold is exposure is quite common. I just at least want to have an awareness of that. So that might be within that time frame. And then the next three months, we're also, again, seeing these patterns and or doing a follow-up. Also, we might be looking at, for example, somebody might be coming to me, I customize everything. So let's say this recently happened, they're on a set amount of medications. They were actually on an opioid and other um, antidepressants. And it wasn't that, yes, their long-term goal might to be to come off these medications. But I'm very aware of the pharmacology and how that affects epigenetics by way of pharmacist Susie Cohen. Thank you very much, Susie. And um, so, and then we can also get genetic testing to see how that, the, that person processes those medications more specifically. So I'm customizing everything to the person. Somebody might be saying, I, want, I feel fabulous. How do I stay fabulous like this? And I wanna look younger. Then we might be looking at telomere testing or methylation testing. You know, so again, it's, it's customized to the person and what their needs are. And it's all inclusive mm-hmm. in the program. I include the testing, I include the supplements so that people aren't then going, okay, great. Now I got to order a mm-hmm. what test and, and such. Um, yeah, or I might have them try something at home and if they tell me how much that's helped them, then maybe I'm sending them something else and, and they go, oh, great, that worked 90%. Even, mm-hmm. you know, so the thing, I'll give an example, like peppermint tea. And they'll go, oh, that didn't work for me. I know peppermint tea for this. And I say, nope, I need you to actually steep four bags and I'd like you to make a compress. I don't want you drinking it. Mm-hmm. I want you to make a compress and apply that to your abdomen. And they're like, oh, okay maybe they got 20% improvement, then maybe I'm going to send them something that's more of a, an essential oil specific to try topically. Mm. And that often works. Interesting. So cool. This is so cool. I'm so happy that I met you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure to meet you too. I've been seeing you everywhere in Clubhouse and now it's so nice to like have the actual energy to the, to the person. I felt your energy, but yeah, it's nice. I just, um, yeah. Anytime I, I heard you talk, I would just go, Oh yes. Um, I just, <laughs> not you. that my opinion matters at all, but I'm like, ah, oh, she gets it. Yes. It's so nice yeah. to hear that. Um, or so, to voice our opinions, right? It's, I used to be a little <laughs> hesitant. A lot of things I've said, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable to share them with you, but people used to be like, wait a minute, what are you doing? I'm still, <laughs> I'm still marinating on the fact that you can clear up SIBO in two to six weeks because I'm a little, jealous because it took me a very, very embarrassing long time. And I don't even know, I probably not, I probably not even a hundred percent, but I, but it's just, um, like, it's just so encouraging to hear that, to hear that that story is possible. Yes. Thank you. And yet I would also write, just highlight, like, think of how much you learned and how much you're helping, Mm. like, right. How much, what your journey then extended out to who you helped. Because yeah, that's, that's yeah. the silver lining I like to say, because yeah, I, I went through a lot of things. Boy, I was like, if I wish I had never, 
yeah, you know, I try not to have the coulda shouldas because yeah, it's like, oh, that's interesting. It sure did bring me to where I am now, right? And you're that much, Absolutely. right? You, and you understand what I'm saying at that much more of a enlightened light bulb moment. So I very much appreciate yes. what you're saying, but yeah, we're all- I've had, yeah, a lot of light bulb moments with you today. <laughs> and I, I had a feeling I would. <laughs> um, so are you, so you're in California. So do you, are you only available to work with people in California or do you have programs that you offer to people across the, the states? Yeah, so with a with telehealth, a lot of things have shifted. Um, and until I have different licenses in various states, I can do what's called a consult, a peer-to-peer consult. So if somebody is working with a functional medicine practitioner in the state that they're located in, and because I actually get this quite often where the practitioner is like, oh, great, you're going to talk to Dr. Melanie. You know, I know her, they don't know me, but they'd see the, I'm not saying I'm affiliated with Cedars, but I am in contact with um, the research. Um, that they might say fantastic. It's really just a form I have to have because I'm, okay. I'm often not needing to prescribe medications. There's so much we can do outside of that. It's just though that um, I am working under technically their license in a sense, mm. right? It's a peer-to-peer consult saying, yes, I acknowledge this is my patient and I'm recognizing your license in California. And uh, many of my colleagues are working at, and yeah. And then uh, I actually noticed one of your guests. I might also maybe approach. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, how can I have links to um, your your website and um, some of the other things that you've you've sent me, and as far as um, the Intuitive Edge Doctor, Townsend Letter, Naturopathic Doctor News and Review. Um, how else can people find you? I think you have a. Um, do you share your Instagram or no? I do. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can, it's... I'll put a link to that on there too. Okay. Great. Um, and yeah, is that, how do you recommend people reach out to you if they, if they want to connect with you? What's the best way? I'm going to say the website. Yeah. And there's the, the um, meditation opt-in. Oh, awesome. A biurinal beat meditation. Well, wonderful. Well, Dr. Melanie, it was such a pleasure to meet, like <laughs> finally meet you face to face. I've definitely heard you talk a, a lot um, on Clubhouse, which is just this cool thing. Like I never would have imagined that something like that would have existed. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, thank you so much for your time and expertise. I, I know I learned a whole bunch, so I'm sure everybody listening today has learned a whole lot too. And um, yeah, just have all the, all the respect for you and what you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button so you never have to miss another new episode. You can also share the episode with friends and family or leave a rating and review. My next episode will feature the infamous Anne Louise Gittleman, and we are going to talk all about her latest book, Radical Longevity. So stick around for that. Okay, friends, it's time to go back out in the real world now. So be well and be kind.